The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Uncle T-Bone Wade Bennett with me in the studio on this Wednesday afternoon. It is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. Hope you're doing well. Beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. And man, do we have a great show on tap for you today. We're going to talk Auburn basketball as they get over the hump against Texas A&M last night. Have a lot to talk about with that. Uh, college basketball in general, it was upset city last night uh, in the great, wonderful sport that is college basketball. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 will join us today. We'll get all things caught up on the Georgia Bulldogs. Got some college football news to talk about and everything else in between. Uncle T-Bone, how are you, man? Happy Wednesday, brother. Happy Wednesday. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. You can get in with us at 334-321-1390 here at On the line huge basketball win last night for Auburn exercising some demons like they did last Saturday in Bud Walton Arena some historic demons and doing the same against Buzz Williams last night in Texas A&M a gritty win Auburn didn't shoot the ball uh, particularly well from the three-point line but it didn't matter this team continues to prove that they can play any type of uh, brand of basketball you want to play you want to play finesse you want to play uh, physical you want to just play normal basketball what do you want to do we're so deep and this team has really proven once and again how much camaraderie there is. And boy, oh boy, is Jalen Williams playing some of the best basketball he's played in his career here at Auburn. Great win, and uh, hats off to Bruce Pearl and his staff over at Auburn. Well, lots to talk about when it comes to that Auburn win, 66-55 to over the Texas A&M Aggies. And we are going to talk all about that today. And as he said, we would love to get your thoughts on the phone lines. 334-321-1390. And this guy called in as soon as we came on the air. He must be chomping at the bit to talk about something. Andy, you're on the line to get us going, man. How are you? Hey, Lord Eagle. Hey, you can't be uh, more right. Um, let me let me set you up with the easy one first. When when I called and you, you asked who I am, how do I not hear you through uh, T-Bone's mic? What's that? When you ask, hey, who's calling? You talk to me. How am I not picking you up on the radio through the microphone? Because I'm talking like, to you on the actual cell, on the phone unit itself. I know, but I would just think I'd pick up on T-Bone's uh, mic. Anyway, we're just, hey, be... we're just we're just that good, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, uh, I'm going to be a little negative if you Uh-oh. don't mind. Oh, um, okay, that's all right. That's all right. Well, first, before I go there, you know, I called y'all Friday, giving y'all a hard time about. Uh, being such big Arkansas fans and so worried about that game. So um, I'm glad Auburn uh, proved us all wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not an Arkansas fan, Andy. I'm just <laughs> oh, saying know, Auburn's had some serious issues up at, up in Bud Walton. I, I, mean, didn't single, I didn't want to single out anyone. No, that's okay, man. It's all good. Look, I, you know, I, I was a little uh, apprehensive going into that b-ball game. 
you know, kind of starting out conference play on the road had me uh, spooked a little bit. And uh, I'll say this about, you know, Arkansas Athletics. They're not the, my least favorite team in the SEC by any means. But, yeah, I mean uh, – They're down they, there, they, though. I, I don't think uh, – Anybody on this show were the only ones, though, because I mean there was a lot of that chatter in the in the uh, in the outside media world as well about Auburn struggling well, I know. out there. I know. Well, but I'm yeah, glad they Auburn proved us the wrong too, brother. They did. I put a little money on a tease with Arkansas. Like they they could have lost by eleven, and so I was very surprised. I was happily surprised. I don't mind losing a little money uh, when Auburn kicks butt. There you All go. All right, on to on to a little rant, and I promise not to do this much because. Um, you know, in the military, I don't want to. I don't want you. I don't want to hear you saying how cold it is or how tired you are. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we're all cold and tired. Complaining never gets anything done. But um, I have three degrees from Auburn. I worked at Auburn. Um, I saw people that you know live by the creed, and I see some people that don't even believe in the creed. And I believe in the creed. I could have died for the creed for certain years out of you know the military and. Um, I definitely fall for the family part of Auburn. Um, I woke up this morning and I saw something on kind of my trash phone feed um, about Cadillac. And I was like, well, this is some Alabama guy saying Cadillac's not going to be here and Hugh Freeze doesn't like him. Um, I'm really trying, guys, and I need y'all to uh, give me some faith. My wife works in the city somewhere, and she's run into one of uh, Hugh Freeze's daughter and I was not very happy to hear what, what happened. And then she ran into a second. How many daughters does he have? Three? I believe so. Okay. Well, my wife's a nice person, and uh, I don't, I'm not going to say anything. Just just didn't seem, seem kind of snobby. And um, not one daughter, but two daughters. Anyways, not trying to bring family into it, but I'm really trying to like Q Freeze. If this man comes in here and forces Cadillac out, I'm going to have a lot of issues with that. Quit screaming family. Quit screaming all this Creed stuff. Uh, we can't forget what Cadillac did for us, who he is, and we can't just jump on this bandwagon of always going to you know, recruit and all this stuff. I don't know. Just not happy with what I heard, and I heard the rumor that I read this morning is going to be true. If you guys know anything about it, maybe you can set me straight. But this will, I think, be a, a big hit, and um, it will definitely hurt my feelings. So I'll hang up and uh, listen if you guys have any intel on that. Yeah, Thank thanks so much, Andy. Appreciate the call to get us going. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety, and and you know we'll we'll start we'll start the show there. Um, here's the thing. Here here's what I'm going to speak on. Right, I can't speak to a, a conversation or a situation that I was not a part of, and, and of course speaking with 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 Andy and his family and and whatever reactions and, and, and conversations he they had with with other individuals right can't speak on something that we weren't a part of but I do say with confidence and I think most people around the Auburn football program know whether it be us that talk about it on a daily basis Uncle T-Bone or whether it be our listeners that listen to us every day and people that read articles and listen to the radio and watch the games and listen to the games and all that or whether it be people inside the building. There is no hiding that there has been some disparity within the, the coaching staff on the football team. And there's no hiding that not everybody has been on the same page. That's why you've seen a couple of coaches leave. That's why you have your both of your coordinators are no longer there. That's why you have defensive coaches who are not here anymore. It's why you have 
coaching searches being done right now to fulfill gaps in the coaching staff. And that's why you also have some guys that are leaving through the portal and threatening to leave in the portal and things like that. There are some things happening right now. And what I will say is with all of this stuff going on, this is not abnormal. Okay, this is not something that's new or dangerous to Auburn or specific to Auburn. You're talking about a program right now that just got done with year one of a brand new head coach and a brand new staff and basically a brand new roster. Not all the way, but pretty close. You're going to have some disagreements. You're going to have some 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 difference of opinions and that's what the building process of a program is in my opinion is figuring out who belongs here who gives you the best chance to win and that comes from coaching players staff media whatever it may be right that is part of building a new program and bringing it out of the dead six feet underground which is where Auburn was is figuring out who gives you the best chance to succeed and to what Andy was talking about with the whole family aspect and Auburn family and, and trying to do it the right way, no matter what a coach does, a head coach, a president, a leader, a boss, a parent, not everybody's going to agree with what they do, right? And that's what happens when you're in a position of leadership is you have to make tough decisions, and they're not always going to be 100% agreed upon with the people underneath you and the people that are around you and the people that support you. And so to not speak on anybody specifically here, there are going to be decisions that Hugh Freeze makes that not everybody agrees with, and they are gambles. They're gambles on the future of Auburn. We just have to see where they go. Well, that's a lot to chew on from Andy's comments and your comments. First, I'd like to say thank you, Andy, for uh, being a loyal listener and caller to our show, and especially thank you for your service to this great country of ours. We couldn't have shows like this and express our opinions like we do here without uh, hard-fighting soldiers such as yourself, and I really appreciate it. Woo, where do we start first? All right, uh, with Hugh Freeze and his family on your comments, I, you know, obviously I don't really know exactly what you're talking about. I can say this. I've never met uh, Hugh Freeze's family, but I have met Hugh Freeze and spent uh, a couple rounds of golf with him when he first got here. Luckily, I had that opportunity on, uh, on the golf course, and, uh, and I can't say anything uh, more about him just being a great dude. I mean, he wasn't snobby to me. He wasn't uh, – arrogant he's the only uh auburn university uh football coach that i've ever spent any time with on a golf course i can tell you that i mean honest to god i think he's just a uh deep down just a regular old dude like we all are Mm -hmm. and i appreciate that so um as for rumors um look you know as well as i do and you and daryl dappridge talked about this yesterday i was listening to the show while i was at work after the first year there's always a purge with a new coaching staff, whether it be coaches or players or staff or whatever. It just always happens. I said it last week. I think Hugh Freeze got here in an inopportune time to be hired right before signing day. He had to rely on a lot of trusted people in the industry and here at Auburn to help him put together a staff very quickly, hit the road recruiting, then get into spring ball, then hit the road recruiting on the portal, then continually hit the road on the recruiting for for um, 
excuse me, for uh, during the summer, then get into summer practice, then get into the actual season. So uh, time was not an asset for him, and I believe, you know, he was like, look, we're just going to get the staff together and get rolling, and those every one of those people were given an opportunity, even if it was Cornell Williams and uh, or whomever, and perhaps it's not working out. Now, for the rumor part on Cornell Williams or whatever, there, there's message board rumors everywhere right now. We're not in the business of really talking about rumors here at On The Line, the show that calls it like it is and holds nothing back. We're not going to get on here and say, hey, man, there's a message board rumor right now, and Nick Saban's having a team meeting, and he may be retiring today. We're not going to do that, okay? We're not going to get on here and say there's rumors out there right now, such as Nick Saban's retiring. We're not going to be those people, right? We're not going to talk about it. So my advice to everybody is message boards are fun. I sure as heck wish I had got in the message board business when they first uh, came came across the scene in the early 2000s. I'd be on this show right now, retired, talking from Hawaii, right? I have would have printed money because message boards are great. They're fun. I like them. I participate in them. The trolls always make me chuckle. But oftentimes, it's just a bunch of rumors, man. If someone's leaving Auburn or this staff, there's not some conspiracy theory. There's not some crazy story that they did something. They're not trying to force them out because they hate each other. Most of the time, it's just not working out. Well, I'm glad you said that. And we're about to get to break because we got K-Bag on the line who wants to talk a little bit when we come back. I'm glad you said that because you've been with me for a short time now, Uncle T-Bone, and... For people that listen to this show in particular, I'm not just talking about this station. I'm talking about this show from 2 to 4, Monday through Friday. Coming up in April will be two years that I've been hosting this show. That's awesome. And people understand, my fans, my people, our listeners know, I don't talk about rumors and what happens on a message board because I don't care. I talk about facts. I talk about reports. I talk about things that actually happen and things that actually matter. And while there may be rumblings going on, and there may be information, and somebody may know more than I do, and and I may know more than somebody else does. Who cares? Until something actually happens, we're not going to talk about it. Until there are reports truly coming out about something happening, whether it be with the Auburn coaching staff, or whether it be with the Seattle Seahawks getting rid of Pete Carroll today, that's a report. That's a fact. That's what we talk about on this show. We're not going to get on here and say we're hearing that Bill Belichick is out with the Patriots on a because you know a source told us this that's not we're not going to get on here and say we're hearing from Twitter that Nick Saban's retiring today okay that's not what we do here well we're going to talk some more when we come back as K-Bag will join us on the phone lines give us a call we want to hear from you on this Wednesday afternoon Andy thanks for the call got us off to a great start here on the show today we'll get to K-Bag when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines once again here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. K-Bag, thanks so much for hanging on through the break, man. You're on the line with Jacob and Uncle T-Bone. Hey, good afternoon, fellas. Hope everybody's having a, a good Wednesday. So far. I want to talk about the Zebra Show last night. Yeah, talk about Dad it. Gum, Don Daly leading the charge. I tell you what, I'm 
so sick of seeing him in Auburn Arena and around the South. Ain't You're not funny. alone on that one, K-Bag. I think there's a lot of Auburn fans yeah, that K-Bag, are tired of seeing him. When I was coming up over there at the old Beardies Memorial sweat box, it was always that clockerty fella that people would call out. You're saying there's a new one you got your eye on. Don Daly, the head man last night, the older fella. I tell you, there, it was almost like there, there was two different uh, officiating zones last night. If you were eight to ten feet within the within the within the rim, you could about get away with murder like OJ. <laughs> but once you got outside of that, it, it was very sensitive on the whistle, and also they failed to get back in transition on turnovers. They had to look back. I counted three times. The, the, the official on the baseline or on the sideline getting down the court was too slow, and they made the wrong call and had to look backwards. That's pretty bad, but we're having to talk about the officials not getting back in transition, K-Bag, and you're right. You're absolutely right. There were multiple plays where it would be a one-on-one in transition. There'd be a ton of contact at the rim, but the fi- the official was looking at it from the backside and didn't have the angle and couldn't see because you're right. Couldn't get on his horse. Couldn't get down there. Couldn't get the high knees high enough and get down to make the right call. You're absolutely right, K-Bag. You know, I don't know if we need to dedicate a member of the training staff to get them, get them stretched out, you know, at halftime and before the game. And we've, all, and we've all seen over the last several years, you know, not just on the basketball court, but the football field as well, where these athletes are just pure, pure you know, just so much better, you know, athletically than in years past. Oh, yeah. And basketball is becoming a young man's game, and, oh, yeah. and it needs to transition into the officiating as well. Sounds get like all the- these old dogs out of there that can't keep up. Let's get some younger folks in there, and let's just bring basketball back to where it is. Basketball is a very physical game. Yeah. And you have to be on your toes. You have to have good eyes. you got to be able to, 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 to move laterally and get back. And, and that the officials almost – Almost gave the cover away last night. I'll tell you what, K-Bag, Dirty Don Daly, the old man, as you call it. Sounds like he, Jacob, he needs to get down there to game day men's health and see our man Chad Crosby and get his get his T levels checked it sounds out. Like, man, I mean, you're saying he can't get on get can't get on his wheels and keep his head on a swivel and call a fair and square game. He's just too old and he's it's played out for him, K-Bag. I mean, how many times do we have to go to the monitor just to check a foul when we know it wasn't at the rim? I'll mm-hmm. say this. They go to the monitor way, 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 too, way much. too many times in college basketball. Now, they shut down that Arkansas game multiple times. The first 10 minutes took an hour to play. It, within the first two minutes, it took 15. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I, I'm all for the monitor. I'm all for making the right call, but – when you go and it takes like seven to ten minutes of real time, game has stopped and they're still over there at the monitor. If it takes that long, I subscribe to the train of thought of then you don't know. If it takes you that long and you're having to look that detailed and talk to that many people, and sometimes they're working on the clock, I get that part of it. But if it takes you that long, stick with the call on the floor and let's move on. I'd rather you just get it on and over with, even if it's the wrong call, rather than take the, the rhythm of the game completely out. I'll say this. You know it's going to take a hot minute when they get over there to the monitor and one of these uh, one of these guys in the Zebras pulls out his readers. Well, I want to talk about BP for a minute. 
you know, the last two games, the Arkansas game y'all y'all mentioned, and then this past one, you know, he is truly fed up with the officials when he crosses his arms and he doesn't even look at them when they come over. Just shakes because his head. <laughs> just, I mean, he is done with them at that point because he said everything he can say. He's been on them for a half, and we're not even at the under-16 timeout, and he's already got his arms crossed not even looking at them when they come to talk to him. Mm-hmm. That ought to be a sign of somebody that's that's watching over these officials and I'm not saying that Bruce Pearl's an official, but he's been around basketball and seen a lot of it long enough to know a foul and what's not a foul and know when somebody can't keep up. Yeah, no, I'll give you that, K-Bag. And, hey, great to hear from you, man. We appreciate the call, 334-321-1390. We'll talk more about the game itself later on in the show. We do have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 coming up in about five minutes or so. But K-Bag brings up a point that this topic comes around, I'd say, about once a month or so. I'd say this comes up about once a month where we get on the conversation of officiating in college athletics, shoot, sports in general, man. And let me start out by saying this. We got a few minutes. I'm going to start out by saying what officials, umpires, referees do is an incredibly hard job. It's incredibly hard. And they have a lot riding on these games and there's a lot riding on their jobs. And it is difficult to keep up with these 19- to 22-year-old athletes, super athletes that are playing college basketball. I mean, these guys are running, man. They're running and running fast. And you're having to make calls split second, whether it be balls and strikes or fouls at the rim or trying to make sure he got two feet in bounds on the sideline on a catch, right? All of those things are true. But we can all agree that officiating has just taken so many steps back in the years. A, because they don't make money until you make it big, which I don't think is fair. I mean, you got to work and grind. I mean, you get you got to starve to death to become something as an official. No question. Because you don't make any money. So that takes people away. And, to be honest, why would you want to be an official right now? Because of people like us, that all they do is tear them apart because they don't do their job. It's a two-sided coin here. But K-Bag's absolutely right. With the game last night, I mean... Bruce Pearl, when he quits yelling, you know he's mad. It's like that one parent that we always had, that friend that had that dad when he wasn't yelling, you knew something was really wrong. You knew you were really in trouble if he wasn't yelling and just silence. That's Bruce Pearl with the officials. He gets so fed up to where he's yelled all he can yell. He's said all he can set, and they're not going to change the way they do it. And Buzz Williams was fired up last night, too. It's across the board, man. Officiating has gotten so bad, and Auburn was on the wrong side of it for 40 minutes last night inside of Neville Arena. Well, get used to uh, the intensity of the coaches from here on out with SEC play, especially in the officials. I mean, night in, night out in this league, it's going to be a war from here on, here out. And Buzz Williams, for example, in Texas A&M, very desperate last night to get a win and not start out in the league play 0-2. And And Auburn, very desperate to continue the momentum and the winning streak that they have going on and and kind of ending a a rough stretch that Texas A&M has held over our heads over the last six games. But in the game itself, Auburn 15 personal fouls, Texas A&M 20. Auburn from the free throw line, 21 of 26, almost 81%. The Aggies, 16 for 19, 84%. Yeah, Auburn as a team, when you can get – if you're eclipsing 80% as a team, that is really, really good. Agreed. I mean, 
Look, I'm good with 70. 75 is ideal. 80% as a team is unheard of. And we're going to talk about so many more things as we get on later in the show about this game in particular and about all the great things that Auburn did, even though they did not play their best game last night. They overcame officiating. They overcame a bad shooting night. Uh, they overcame everything else that happened. And I asked Bruce Pearl this question last night in the in the postgame press conference. I said, Bruce, I said, going into the four, under four timeout in the second half, this is a two-point game. I said, and then all of a sudden you look up at the end of it and you win by 11. I said, what does that say about your team? And he said, it just shows how, how disciplined and resilient, how hardworking they are. And I'll say, shows how good they are. Oh, no question. It shows how good that defense is. Uh, with 9-15 left in the game, A&M hits a layup. They don't hit another goal from the field the rest of the game. How about that? That's how you win ball games, right there, shutting them down. And they shut down Wade Taylor the fourth last night, and that's a fact. That is a fact. We'll talk some more about that later on in the show. Coming up, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 gets us going here on Rivalry Wednesday on ESPN 106.7. Don't go anywhere. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We are 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067. He is Uncle Tebow, and I'm Jacob Goins with you in the studio on this sunny, beautiful Wednesday afternoon in the Auburn Opelika area. And as we always do at 2.30 on Wednesdays, we welcome in our good friend from Athens, Georgia. It's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 with us on the phone lines. Jordan, great to have you back on, man, on this Wednesday afternoon and a lot to talk about today. Yeah, Jacob, good to be back. Uh, don't know what will come up with, you know, college football season's over. Surely, surely we've run out of uh, topics to discuss. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't believe that for a second. That's not how that works down here in the South. You know that, Jordan. Right, right. I've, I've been around the block a time or two. I think I can come <laughs> up with something. Well, with the with the college football season officially ending uh, with the national championship on Monday, of course, Michigan taking down Washington in dominant fashion near the end, the season has come to an end. And so we've been asking people on the show to kind of give, uh, give some recaps and, and final thoughts on the season itself. Of course, throughout the next few weeks and months, we're going to have so much information on uh, recruiting and transfer portal and coaching hires and fires and all that good stuff. And we're dealing with that in Auburn of course but for the Georgia football season as a whole Jordan kind of summarize it for us in the best way that you can uh, I think disappointing is probably a word that will come up in, in, in your statement here but kind of summarize it for us the best you can for this Georgia football season yeah for sure I mean I would say close but not close enough you know it's going to be a game a season when people look back a lot of highlights a lot of big moments you know you go uh, Thirteen and one, and end the year with a sixty-point win in a bowl game. But people aren't going to move on from that loss to Alabama in the SEC title game, and understandably so. Twenty-seven-twenty-four uh, loss. You had mistakes along the way that wound up making the difference. So you know you miss out on a chance to win a third straight national title. Obviously, people are upset and disappointed by that. Uh, but still, another very very successful season. The season where. You saw a lot of people have to step up in bigger roles, namely 
uh, quarterback Carson Beck becoming a starter for the first time. So, um, you know, people are definitely disappointed they weren't able to make the playoff. Some felt they should have still made it. Um, but at the end of the day, that Alabama loss is going to linger. And the good news for Georgia when it comes to 2024, a lot of motivation, a lot to prove coming off of that tough loss to the Crimson Tide. And they'll get a chance to try to avenge it when they go to Tuscaloosa. Leave that one is in September. Speaking with uh, Jordan Hill, Hill from Dogs 24-7. Jordan, I've seen a lot of what I want to call crazy people uh, around these parts tweeting that, uh, boy, man, Alabama really should have been kicking themselves after they saw Washington not play so well against Michigan in the national championship game. Do you think Georgia should be kicking itself? Well, I think it's a situation where they, you know, they lost what was essentially a play-in game to Alabama. And I, I'd kind of written about it in the lead-up to the SEC title game that, you know, Georgia's number one in the country. They're undefeated going into the SEC championship game. But they don't have the wiggle room to feel comfortable coming out of the SEC championship game with a loss to say, oh, we're still making the playoff. And you kind of got the sense after they lost that game you know, Curry Smart was really trying to champion, hey, we still belong in the playoff, and heard players saying similar things. But I think they knew the score. I think they knew that they were not going to get in um, with Alabama also having just one loss. So I think there's a piece of that of, you know, we could have made the playoff and we would have had a shot at winning it. But I kind of think that's just sort of how life was in this season. You know, most seasons they could have afforded to take a loss in the SEC championship and still make the 14 playoff. This wasn't one of those years. They missed out playing Alabama. And uh, the end result is, you know, it's really more so fans, I think, than the players or coaches. I, I don't think they were, were too tied up on, oh, we, we would have went and won this thing. I'm sure they feel that way, but I think for a lot of people, they've already turned their attention to 2024 and uh, trying to come back and trying to uh, contend for a title in a 12-team playoff era. Well, I'll say this, Jordan. I feel like now that we're moving into a new era of college football where you know you have an expanded playoff, you have an expanded SEC with more teams coming in, divisions being waxed, all that type of thing, I feel like that situation may not come up as much where if you come out of the SEC championship and you don't win, then the season's over, you're doomed and can't make make the playoff. I mean, that's good news for Georgia, but I think it's also good news for a lot of other SEC teams in this new era of college football that we're entering. Definitely, and I think, too, when you consider you know, a team that maybe is finishes third in the SEC, you know, I think more often than not you found yourself needing a lot of help to make the playoff uh, in those kind of situations in a four-team playoff. Now, I mean, you're, you're probably in a good situation where you really uh, feel pretty good about your chances to be one of those 12 teams. It's going to be really interesting. I'm really fascinated to, to look ahead and, and once we get to this year's SEC championship game, you know, there's some concern of will this playoff kind of take away from, you know, how special the SEC title game is and how much it means. And I can sort of see that, but I do think that, you know, a lot of people still really want to have the chance to call themselves the conference champions. And it's just going to be fascinating to see how that conference championship game weekend sort of feeds into the playoff and if we see it sort of diminish at all or if you have a lot of really high caliber teams playing in those games 
uh, it being as exciting as it has been in years past. Jordan, before we get to uh, the basketball game tonight, Arkansas at Georgia, you know, we're not in the business of rumor mongering from message boards here. And uh, I know that you're not either, although, you know, they are very entertaining at times, but what is all this semi-rumoring about Kirby Smart flirting with the Falcons? Is there any legs to that? No, I, I haven't heard anything to support that. <laughs> we have people going on our board uh, when the A&M job was open saying that oh, they were yeah. getting ready to back up a uh, Brinks truck. So I I haven't heard anything to make me think that Kirby would really consider going to the NFL. I'll say this, Arthur Blank would be crazy to hire Kirby because He'd have to put security outside Mercedes-Benz. They might try to burn that place down if uh, if they were to take him from Georgia. But, no, I, I don't think that it's a situation where Kirby is looking to go to the NFL. The biggest thing to me, guys, at this point, I'm watching to see if we see any legs to Glenn Schumann potentially going to the NFL. Now, I haven't heard anything this offseason. Uh, but he interviewed with the Philadelphia Eagles this past season uh, for the defensive coordinator position, wound up not taking it. Things haven't exactly been going well in Philly. Uh, They've got Matt Patricia calling the defense now, and I don't think that's going well. I wouldn't be shocked if we hear a little bit about Glenn Schumann, see if he does entertain a chance to go to the NFL or if he's comfortable where he is and uh, is going to come back to Georgia for another season. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, there's so many different openings in the NFL. I mean, another one opened up today with the Seahawks and Pete Carroll. So you just never know. And and it seems to be a growing trend that NFL teams and, and organizations are dipping into the college game and pulling up college coaches. I mean, we know all the all the the noise around the Jim Harbaugh news and, and and watching to see if he leaves Michigan and stuff. So interesting stuff there around the Georgia football program. We're talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs Two Four Seven here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN One Hundred Six Seven. Let's flip to basketball as Uncle T Bone mentioned as the Dogs. For the first time in probably a long time, Jordan, favored in an SEC game against Arkansas. I mean, kind of give us some of the the notes on this game. I mean, at home, hosting the Hogs. We know what happened the last time Arkansas was on the basketball floor. Auburn just about put their program in the ground. Now they got to go to Athens for an 11-3 Georgia team. Man, what an exciting time for Georgia basketball. Definitely. It's going to be quite a proving ground tonight for Georgia. As you guys mentioned, 9 p.m. Eastern time tip uh, in Segman against Arkansas. You know, it's it's going to be one of those games where you can see, uh, is Georgia as good as people perceive them to be? I saw Indy Cats earlier this week has them. It's one of the four teams, the first four teams out of the NCAA tournament at this point. They've built a nice little resume. Uh, but I think you're going to get an Arkansas team that's really hungry, got something to prove, coming off a 32-point home loss there to Auburn. Um, to me, it's really going to depend on Russell Chiwa. He's Georgia's center. Had uh, his best game as a Bulldog at Missouri on Saturday, double-double, 18 points, 11 rebounds. Guys, he was 5 of 5 from the field. And seven-foot center, 8 of 9 from the free-throw line. How about I can't get over how impressive that performance was from Chiwa, but Auburn did such a good job in the paint against Arkansas, outscored them in the paint by 30 points. To me, that's going to decide you know, how Georgia plays down low, how they attack around the rim. That's going to go a long way in deciding this one. And, yeah, I mean, to, to see where Georgia is right now, I had this uh, on Twitter uh, on Saturday. Mike White has started each of his two seasons at Georgia, 1-0 in SEC play. The last Georgia coach to do that, Ralph Shug Jordan, I'm sure 
sure there's a lot How of people about them apples? did not did not realize that uh, Ralph uh, spent time coaching Georgia basketball. But yeah, it's it's been quite a while since Georgia's had this kind of success. Jordan Hill with dogs twenty four seven nine o'clock tip off. Those are rough. That's brutal, man. Yeah, we, we just been, had an eight o'clock we've tip been last night. A lot night, of man. those here, man. Um, doesn't get a lot easier after Arkansas tonight. Saturday hosting Tennessee, then at South Carolina, who is much improved, and then at Kentucky. Yeah, it's it's going to be difficult, and that, that to me is what made winning at Missouri so really crucial. I mean, Georgia did such a good job in non-conference play. They started ten and three, but you looked at January and thought, man, this could get rough. If I'm remembering correctly, I projected like. Two and six or three and six. I can't remember how many games they play this month, but for Georgia to have opened with that win against Missouri, I think it's critical because it's very conceivable that you know you lose these two games this week, and you know that's a very tough South Carolina team that's played really well so far. So uh, again, this is a very telling game tonight. I think against Arkansas, an Arkansas team I think is still really good. You know, it beat Duke earlier this year. Um, I, I think that this is a situation where Georgia needs to take advantage of playing at home. They've done a very good job of that in these two years under Mike White. They usually take care of business at home. It's not going to be easy, but uh, it's definitely something that is very possible for this Georgia team. Hey, you mentioned uh, Shug Jordan. Uh, the dogs on a – am I reading this right? A nine-game winning streak? If that's true, was, was Coach Jordan uh, the coach then the last time that happened? You know, I, I don't know how uh, when exactly that would have fallen. Right now, I think they're tied for the fourth longest winning streak in the country. And yes, we are talking Georgia basketball. This is not Georgia football. <laughs> right but uh, yeah, uh, if they win tonight, I believe it is the first ten-game winning streak for Georgia since 1947-1948. I do think that was when Shug was there. So yeah, it is. Uh, it is. Pretty rare air that they're in for Georgia basketball right now. It's really just a matter of them following through and, and trying to make the most of this thing. Well, I don't have the stat, and I don't expect you to have this either, Jordan, but I'm curious on the last time Georgia basketball was favored against Arkansas just because of the difference in what these programs have been in the last, I don't know, decade or so, right? I mean, just how good, especially in the Muss era under Arkansas. But Georgia, uh, pretty much everywhere I look, they're favored by around two, uh, one or two points, give or take. And so should be a lot of fun. I assume you'll be there tonight there in Athens as Georgia taking on Arkansas tonight. Definitely, yeah. Going to be there, excited. May uh, may have to drink an energy energy drink or uh, hit up a coffee or two. There you uh, go. It's going to be a long night, but uh, it's going to be a fun one. Well, sure. tell people where they can find you all your coverage. But since you will be there tonight, uh, you'll be covering Georgia basketball from here on out. Lots more football updates, I'm sure, to come uh, over at Dogs247. Definitely, Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at Dogs247. So, yeah. Going to be at the basketball game. I tell people, too, if they're uh, interested in Georgia recruiting. Big recruiting weekend coming up. My guy Benjamin Wolk got you all covered there on dogs247.com. So football season's over, but as you guys know, there's still plenty going on, and uh, we're going to have plenty of content uh, covering football and men's basketball going forward. Awesome, man. Well, hey, you do a better job than anybody covering the Georgia Bulldogs, and we appreciate your time each and every week on this program. But We'll have you on next week talking more basketball and football. Sounds like a plan.
Thanks, Jordan. That is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our Georgia beat writer here on Rivalry Wednesday during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Georgia favored tonight against the Hogs at home and ESPN's matchup predictor. I don't normally go by this a whole lot. They use statistics to do it somehow. Georgia, 69% chance to win, 31% chance for the Hogs. Is that, in your mind, Uncle Tebow, before we go to break, is that because of how good they think Georgia is, or is that all based on what happened on Saturday when Auburn dismantled Arkansas? No, it has everything to do with what Auburn did to Arkansas, and I don't believe that. Although I don't either. Our man Jack Hudden would argue he's a stats guy. I wonder where he has Georgia, if he has Georgia on the bubble and right now in his uh, bracketology locally. we got to get him on to talk about that. Uh, this is a 50-50 game to me. I mean, the spread's only one and a half. They're at home. Georgia's 11-3. and three. Arkansas's 9-5. and five. I look for the Hogs to rebound tonight. Yeah, I, I think I like Arkansas here. But, again, you never know. What, what happens if Georgia wins this game? Hey, Mike White is legit. Yeah, that I was mean, a great hire. That was that. a great oh, hire, a great and hire. Uh, they needed it desperately. That was probably one of the worst – programs in the sec basketball wise over the last oh i don't know seven eight nine years and tom crean just he drove that program into did the you ground. see him at the uh michigan uh national championship game in the stands no yeah there's a picture of him floating around <laughs> he looked miserable there like he looked about as miserable as he did when he was on the sidelines or on the side court at the University of Georgia as yeah, men's basketball man. coach. He had so much talent there. I mean, he had Anthony Edwards on the Georgia team and didn't do anything with him. That team missed the tournament with Anthony Edwards on their roster, bro. That's bad. Yeah, I That's mean, bad. Uh, Georgia basketball should be very competitive every year with its proximity to Atlanta, but they've just been completely shut out by the big dogs on the recruiting trail like John Calipari and Bruce Pearl. That's absolutely right. Well, Georgia taking on Arkansas tonight. We'll look at some other SEC games and results when we come back as we wrap up hour number one. Phone lines are open the rest of the show. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or wrap up hour number one on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I got a couple of minutes here in hour number one before we get into hour number two. Thanks to Jordan Hill uh, from Dogs 24-7. Joining us on the phone lines as he does each and every Wednesday. Go check him out at at dogs247.com. If you're subscribed to the Auburn site, you get access to everything on the Dogs 247 site, so be sure that you go and check him out. A couple of minutes. We'll talk a lot more about the Auburn basketball game from last night coming up in the second hour. we got some football news I want to talk about, too, and some interesting conversations going down the stretch. But other good games tonight in college basketball. And how about before that? How about what happened last night? Number one goes down Purdue. Number two goes down in Houston. I mean, crazy things going on in college basketball right now, Uncle T-Bone. That's why it's my favorite time of the year. Yeah, college basketball is awesome. Real quick around the league last night, Alabama takes down South Carolina 74-47. to What a that beating. Was, that was a bad beat. South Carolina uh, – Great first half offensive rebounding, and then the three pointers rain down in Coleman Coliseum. And as they always half. do, Kentucky uh, just dismantles Missouri. I still maintain that Kentucky's the best team in the league 
currently winning 90-77 to at home. LSU 2-0 on the season to start out in SEC play. Who'd have thunk it? 77, Vanderbilt 69, and then, of course, your Auburn Tigers winning 66-55 at home tonight. Florida minus 2.5 at Ole Miss. At Ole Miss, yeah. Here's a sucker bet for you. Tennessee minus 2.5 at Mississippi State. In the hump? No, not the hump. And then we talked to Jordan Hill from Dogs 24-7, Arkansas catching a point and a half in Stegman. What do you like Coliseum. tonight? Those three games, what do you like? Oh, I think I like uh, I like Florida. I like uh, Mississippi State. That, is, that, that, that right there, Jacob. I mean, Tennessee is awfully good. And, and Mississippi State goes to South Carolina this past weekend and gets beaten. Mississippi State's a good team, not playing great right now. That South Carolina and UT's team, though. And UT's only giving them two and a half. Tennessee, like Auburn, may have something to say who, about uh, whether or not Kentucky's the best team in the league. Only giving up two and a half. You know what Uncle T-Bone always says? If it smells like cologne, people, leave it alone. It's too good to be true. Mm. I'll say something about that South Carolina team. Defensively, they're one of the best teams in the conference. And I know that they gave up 70-something points to, to Alabama, but their team total before the game last night was 82-and-a-half. So they held them to 10 points under their predicted total at home in Coleman Coliseum and held them to 30 points in the first half. South Carolina just can't score. Their defense is elite. So Mississippi State may have lost to that South Carolina team, but they are back home in Stark Vegas at the Hump, hosting number 5 Tennessee tonight. That is an awfully weird line. It is. And I said this during the break. In college basketball, teams that go on the road go to die. And that's what happened to number one last night. It's what happened to number two last night as well. I'd stay away from number five, Tennessee, on the road at Mississippi State. I'm going to pick them to win. I don't feel good about it. I'm going to take Arkansas to bounce back against Georgia tonight. And for some stupid reason... I'm going to take Ole Miss. I'll take Ole Miss to take their first SEC win and get it over Florida. Maybe Alan Flanagan can take down and have only four turnovers tonight. I, I really don't understand why Florida's favored there. I, I know that either. Ole Miss had a bad night at Tennessee, but that's a team that was undefeated going into that game. We'll talk some more basketball coming up at hour number two. Give us a call. Hour number two coming up. is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. We're doing well. I know that. I hope you are on this Wednesday, January 10th, 2024.
four. Sun is shining, sports are talking, and we're having a good time here on ESPN 106.7. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. We're underway here in hour number two. If you missed any of hour number one, lots of great conversation. Got into a little bit of basketball talk, but Andy started us off with the show uh, with a nice, interesting football conversation. So we have that in hour number one. Also talked with uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 to get caught up on everything Georgia athletics, football, wrapping up the season, uh, talking basketball as well as Georgia hosting Arkansas in SEC play tonight with other great SEC games going on. So talked about that all in hour number one. So if you missed any of that, you can find the podcast. We'll post that wherever you get your podcast right after the show, or you can go to ESPNAU.com. Here's what's coming up in hour number two. We're about to get to the phone lines. Uh, we'd love to get you on the show as well. You can call in 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind in the sports world, uh, we would love to uh, get your thoughts, get you to be a part of the show. We're going to talk some more basketball. Got to fully break down the Auburn, Texas A&M game from last night. Look at some other scores, other results, games coming up tonight as well. And then we got some football news that I want to talk about in the back half of hour number two. So let's start hour number two by getting to the phone lines. And we know this guy. It's Jumpin' Jack Hutton with us on the phone lines. How are you, buddy? How about it, guys? What's going on? Oh, you know, talking sports on the air always. Monday through Friday, man. We love what we do. What's on you? your mind? Yeah, me. Can You're you believe it? Sports? I yeah, know. Great, Can man. you believe it? I must have died and gone to heaven. I can't believe it. <laughs> what do you want to talk about today, man? What's up? Man, I just wanted to call in and uh, ask you guys about what you thought about hoops last night. I know uh, you guys have, have been talking about it for sure. Um, but uh, it looks like this Auburn team to me, I don't know, guys. I think that that Auburn team of, of the last few years may not get that done last night. I love this Auburn team. Okay. Jack, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that right now. It, the the team in the last couple of years, and I've been talking about it, I think had individually a couple of players that may or may not have, you know, way more talent. Well, I don't want to say way more, but more NBA-type talent like a Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler on the team. This team, and you know, this team reminds me a lot of the 2020 team, the team that didn't get their shot because of COVID, okay? And, you know <laughs> – and they didn't get they, that, they just canceled <laughs> that, that got a chuckle out of yeah, me I'll they, admit that got me. they uh they canceled the NCAA tournament that season and that team was playing very good basketball they were playing as a team there were no prima donnas there were no me 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 guys the minutes were just getting distributed like they are in this team to an extent I think this team actually gets way more minutes off its bench than that team but this team gets way more minutes off the bench bench than just about any Auburn team I've I've seen and that team like this team plays some nasty nasty defense and that's going to get you deep into the tournament when Auburn gets its chance yeah I think another thing that I'd add to the, the conversation here is you know the guard play for that 2020 team that you're talking about I mean you got to go back and remember Auburn had some dudes on that roster that are not necessarily guys that you look back and say okay they're big NBA stars now but Javon McCormick really took a step up that year. You had Samir Dowdy also take another step oh, yeah. up. Um, yeah, he went you know, into you, a you whole different some, gear. Absolutely. You bring in some guys. Of course, you had Devin Cambridge, who had a couple of, of really nice games for you that year. But but you also had role p- players everywhere else that were doing their job. Dangel Purifoy was, was big for that team 
uh, shooting and really got kind of got that way rebounding down the stretch. Of course, you had Austin Wiley, Isaac Okoro. So, I mean, all these guys that were playing their role well, and I think you're right in that this team is doing that. you got a lot of different role players that are not necessarily superstars, but they're all doing their roles. They're doing their roles really well, and the guard play continues to be very good for this Tiger team. I mean, Katie Johnson um, had, a, had a really good night again last night. That's good to see consistency. Trey Donaldson, again, he dishes out six assists last night. He continues to impress me. So I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of similarities between this and that 2020 team. Yeah, we're talking to uh, Jack Hudden here, host of After the Game on Wings 94.3, 30 yep. minutes yep. after the end of Tiger basketball games on Saturdays. It'll be a little bit later show this Saturday as LSU comes to town with a 5 o'clock tip-off. Jack, before we go any further about Auburn sports, I want people to get over to your Twitter account, at JackHudden12 over at X, okay? And you've got the Hudden rankings, and you've got a whole bracketology of your that you've done yourself. It's your entire system based off stats. Nerd! And I'm going to tell you what, we're going to have to have you on at least once a week, or once a week now from here, 2-4 to the end of the basketball tournament, because I love this kind of stuff. You've just said, Joe Lenardi, no. Jerry Palm, I'm going with the Hudden rankings, but I got to say something. Number one and number two in your rankings got beat last night. They sure did. You're right. And and there'll probably be a number one, and a new number one and two uh, next time it comes around. I will say, uh, looking at it a little further, there's some teams that are creeping up that I didn't think were going to be in it. But, guys, the analytics love this Alabama team, and they continue to stay high. I know a lot of people aren't going to be very high on them. And I think they don't really pass the eye test necessarily for me. But, That's again, right. the analytics love this team. Um, I'm telling you, hand, Jack, what though, I like about it is numbers don't lie. The eye test and people do. That's right. That's right. You're right. And I think Jacob is a big uh, eye test guy. Aren't you going? Yeah, <laughs> I got I got smoke coming out of my ears sitting over on the other side of the table right now. I know you are. Well, and I don't. I'm not going to, to discount that at all. I mean, certainly, I'm not. I'm never a guy that is just going to look at only the analytics. I think it's a great tool to use. You know, I guess that engineering degree is, is paying off in some respects. That I get to type numbers into Excel and it spits out a team. That's what your parents um, paid for, out of boy. Yeah, hopefully so. So, uh, anyways, yeah, I'm in, I'm enjoying it. But yeah, go check it out on Twitter. I'm at, at Jack Hudden Twelve. Um, and uh, you can uh, just see the, the weekly rankings that I'll post and the bracketology that I'll start doing here in a, uh, in a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll start having a more kind of consistent basis of uploading that. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to have people go check that out. Check us out on after the game, after Auburn basketball games on the weekend. And then, of course, Auburn High Basketball, they got that train rolling over there. Chris Brandt and uh, Courtney Fritchett and all of them are, are uh, taking the program to new heights. So check us out on WLE 96.3. For those game times. Awesome. Jack, great to hear from you, buddy. Always have fun huh, with you on the airwaves, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, guys. That's Jack Hutton joining us uh, to get us started here in hour number two. We'd love to get anybody else in here. Phone lines are open for the rest of the hour. 334-321-1390. Give us a call. What's on your mind? Let's talk some more basketball as Jack and, and you were talking there about this Auburn team, and particularly about the Auburn game last night. As Auburn takes care of business down the stretch. Don't want to say throughout the whole game, but here's what I'll say. Auburn wins 66-55. Auburn also covered the 7.5-point spread. Auburn also proved me right when it comes to 
I said they were going to win by double digits, and they did. I was sweating there for a while, but they did end up winning by double digits. Now, they only scored 66 points. This is a team that has consistently scored in the 80s just about all year. But again, what have I talked about with this Auburn team that separates them from everybody else? It's their defense. They held A&M to 55 points, and you mentioned this stat in the first hour at the end of it. They did not score in the last nine minutes. They didn't score a field goal in the last nine minutes of action. That's unheard of. It's unreal that a team is able to do that to another SEC team. Auburn goes 5 of 22 from the three-point line. If you'd have told me that pregame and I said we'd have lost the basketball game, but A&M goes 3 for 19. That's getting after their guards right there, folks, and, and, and having pressure defense. One of those three-pointers was a huge three-pointer that Jalen Williams huge. hit in the second half and got that, I mean, just about blew the lid off a pretty tense crowd at that time. And that Auburn crowd – I mean, you've seen the videos, I hope, and if you have not, go to social media of the students just lined up all the way down Wire Road to get into the basketball stadium. They were loud and proud, and when Jalen Williams hit that three-pointer, I think everybody took a big sigh of relief, and you knew it was about to be on, and Auburn really rallied from there and just took care of business. Yeah, it was the best crowd that I've seen at Neville Arena so far this year. Nice. Um, it, It was, for sure. And the, you, you said it right there. People have been talking about that Jalen Williams three as one of the biggest in his career. And, and you say, well, Auburn was up four. How is that the biggest three that Jalen Williams has ever hit? Well, you hit a shot. You hit a three up by four with under a minute to play with that Texas A&M team who may not have played great, but we all know the narrative around Buzz Williams and Texas A&M. They always have a game plan for Auburn, and they did last night, oh, and yeah. they held in, and it was a two-point game at the under-four timeout in the second half. If Jalen doesn't hit no. that three and A&M goes down and scores or, God forbid, hits one themselves, we could be talking about a loss here this afternoon that Auburn could have taken last night, but they didn't. And all of a sudden, you look at the scoreboard and any casual fan, they scroll through and they're like, wow. Auburn won by 11. That's a good Auburn team. But people don't know unless you watched it or listened to it or covered it just how much of a fight it was. And that's my takeaway from this is a win is a win against Buzz Williams and Texas A&M right now for Auburn. It may not have been pretty, and they did not. Auburn did not look great in the eye test in my book last night. But an 11-point win at home over that Texas A&M team, book it. I'll take it every day of the week, and you look ahead to LSU this weekend at home. Yeah, I heard a lot of people talking about it today saying that it was uh, kind of a rock fight that Auburn had gotten into with A&M. Back alley count fight right yeah, there. Yeah, really, uh, up until you know Auburn just suffocated A&M late in those last nine minutes with their defense. Bruce Pearl said it himself after the, after the game. He's like, look, you know, Buzz Williams and that staff, they just game plan well for us. They just scheme us well. You know, there's people out there, you know, that are, I don't want to say a nemesis, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's about the closest thing I can say that there's just people out there, coaches out there or players out there in any kind of athletics, pitchers to a hitter or a hitter like Tony Gwynn was to Greg Maddox. There right? you go. Uh, they're, they're just, they, just, they just got your number. Kryptonite. Yeah, I mean, and so for Auburn to kind of get into a – well, not kind of, but get into a very physical rock fight, back alley brawl with Texas A&M – at home, you know A&M wanted to do that. You know A&M didn't want to give Auburn easy three-pointers and them get hot and run them up out of Neville Arena. 
a lot like what Penn tried to do against Auburn, but with lesser athletes, a lot like Arkansas tried to do at the start of the game out there in Bud Walton Arena. Uh, A&M does the same thing, and it just doesn't matter. Mm -mm. I mean, this team has an it factor right now, and it's a team factor. They have each other's back. There's camaraderie there. There's no one complaining. I will say this about Jalen Williams, though. He really stepped up last night. I believe he played more minutes than anybody just about has all season in a game. I'm going to have to double-check that. But I want to say that he had 35 minutes last night, eight rebounds, three assists, 22 points. That's your Tiger player of the game right there, folks. That's a heck of a stat line. And that's the performance for people that have listened to me for years on here. Okay, over the last two basketball seasons, that is what I've been begging for. I've been begging for this Jalen Williams to emerge and come out and be there consistently. We saw it every now and then, right? We would see a spark of this. We'd see one game, one of these games, every five or six from Jalen Williams. And I I would say, and not just me, I'm not taking full credit for this, but I would say, man, if Jalen Williams can just do that on a nightly basis, he's the best player on the floor. He's the best one out there, and he makes Auburn great. And that's what Jalen Williams is doing right now. And you look at what happened with Auburn last night. You look at all the other players for Auburn last night and a 66-point performance for the team. Janai squeaks into double digits with 10, but he pulls down seven rebounds. Most of those points off of free throws. Yes, exactly. Going eight for 10 at the free throw line. How crucial is that for your center to be able to knock down free throws? The only other player outside of Jalen Williams and Janai Broom to get in double digits was KD Johnson, which has been pretty consistent for your backup shooting guard on four of eight shooting, two of three from deep, and four of six from the free throw line. Added on a few rebounds, couple of assists, couple steals, no turnovers. Hayden Holloway, no turn or one turnover, excuse me. Denver Jones, no turnovers. And Trey Donaldson had three, but Trey Donaldson was your point guard at the end of the game in crunch time. And I think that shows just how much Bruce Pearl trusts his backup point guard. It's unbelievable what this team is doing right now. And it all starts with an aggressive Jalen Williams. Yeah, there are several players on this team, including Trey uh, Donaldson, including uh, uh, Katie Johnson, including Baker Mazar, if he's not actually starting, that could easily be your sixth man of the year award winners. I mean, and Mazar had an off night last yeah, night. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, and it's not like Janai Broom was dominant points-wise uh, from the floor like he was against Arkansas where he just ripped them up, mm-hmm. right? But what happens is with this team, when someone who should be your big stud or could be your big stud on another team like Janai Broom has an off night, someone else steps up. And I'll tell you what Bruce Pearl and the staff do a good job with is, you know, against Arkansas, they were getting the ball down low to Janai Broom. He's not having the best night, and A&M's basically just kind of trying to push him around and suffocate him and not let him do what he did to Arkansas to them. Mm. So they start moving Jalen Williams around down there, and he's just, you know, Arkansas doesn't have an answer. I mean, A&M doesn't have an answer for it because he can go to the outside too, and then they start sneaking him inside on that block. Yep. And no one accounts for him. Yeah. It's just masterful coaching right now by this staff in the last two games and masterful teammate play 
when someone's not having a great night, and you can't say that Janai had a great night except from the free throw line, right, and pulling down some rebounds. Right. But they were so focused on him, somebody else stood, uh, stood up and took took charge of the game. And something that Bruce Pearl gives a ton of credit to, just about every post-game press conference, he talks about the scouting that his staff does. There's always two coaches that have the scout for the upcoming game. Uh, it, you know, it, 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 it moves around different coaches, but they do the scouting a week or two in advance, and he always gives credit to that, and that's what I give credit to here because that 2-3 zone that A&M ran was was really, really solid. It was. It was a solid zone. Auburn was stagnant on offense for a while, and they finally figured it out. And Auburn, again, did not have a pretty game. 39% from the floor, 23% from three, did have 12 turnovers, and you got out-rebounded by 10, and A&M was just as advertised when it came to offensive rebounding, and you saw what they did. They didn't go up and grab it with two hands. They'd go up and smack it backwards like it was a volleyball and just come down with the basketball. A&M with 21 offensive rebounds last night to Auburn's 11. 46 total rebounds for the Aggies, 37 for the Tigers. Like you said, Auburn didn't start out great. They didn't start out great uh, against Arkansas, but in both games they finished them, and they finished them well. And I'll say this before we go to break. I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. College basketball teams go on the road in conference play to die, and Texas A&M shot 29% from the floor, 16% from three. It had 19 turnovers. And, man, let me tell you, if you do that on the road in conference play, you're going to lose just about every single time, and that's exactly what happened to Texas A&M last night. Let's take our first break here in hour number two. Looks like we got a phone call or two. We'll get to those. When we come back, you can be one of them as well. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. Appreciate you being with us on this beautiful, beautiful day. After all the storms we had the last couple of days, it's nice to have some sunshine here in the Auburn Opelika area. We'd love for you to come in and be a part of the show on this Wednesday afternoon, 334-321-1390. As we get back to the phone lines, and Dan, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle Tebow. Hey, guys. Yeah. Uh, going into this game, I was a little bit concerned because we, we played so well on the road, and then your guys can kind of get overconfident. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think we necessarily were that, but, you know, you always have to worry about that. But Texas A&M obviously has given us trouble. Um, I, I think the biggest issue that we have with a team like that is their bigs down low are just big dudes that can really push people out of the way. And, and they were the number one rebounding team, so I, I knew that would cause some trouble. I, I think when Janai plays against guys that are – you know, not as solid. I mean, you have to realize Texas A&M had six seniors that I've seen them for the last four years. They've been there every single game. I think it's the same six have been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're talking about a very mature team that knows how to play, and then they were picked to be um, one of the top in the league. So I think that's going to be a bigger win than people realize. I mean, they're going to beat a lot of teams this year, and it'll be a, a, a solid win. So, you know, I'm just happy that we came through. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I was saying earlier is, man, I, I don't think we can 
pick apart too much from this game for Auburn and just be thankful that the Tigers won. And I'm not saying that Auburn should be counting their lucky stars and, and hanging banners because they beat A&M, but given the, the history with these two programs and the history between Buzz Williams and Bruce Pearl, yeah, I'm kind of saying, hey, let's just celebrate this and let's move on and, and take the win for what it is because, yeah, I'm with you, yeah. Dan. I think A&M's going to beat some teams this year. Yeah. And, and I also, I think, look, the SEC is just solid – you know, for LSU to go down there and beat Texas A&M, I think LSU's probably a lot better than you know, people just assume because it's a new coach on the second year. They're, they're not going to be that good, but they actually aren't bad. You know, I think we're just going to have to show up each game. But I think the best part about this team is it's it has so many different ways to beat you that, you know, if, if you're really big, then we're going to gonna outrun you. You know, if you're uh, you know, if you're smaller, then we're going to power you down low or, or we'll, you know, shoot. We missed a ton of shots in the game, too, that were wide-open shots. You know, our guys in this last game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it could have been a blowout. I mean, it could have been a lot bigger of a score. But, you know, I'm happy that we had a battle like that and found a way to win because that will do more good for our team to keep them from getting complacent and feeling like we're just, you know, unstoppable. Yeah, you knew that Auburn had to uh, really get up emotionally to go out to Arkansas and take care of business like they did. And the fear is any time in an athletic uh, season when you do that, that the the next game, the subsequent game, that you're like uh, have an emotional letdown, and if that's how Auburn's going to emotionally let down this season against a uh, and they are a solid opponent in Texas A and M, I sure will take it. It does not get much easier for Texas A and M. They'll have to host number six Kentucky this weekend, and then finally they get a break if uh, Arkansas is not quite as good as they go, and then. Uh, as we think they are, they'll go to Arkansas, then to LSU, and then host Missouri. So A&M better get it together pretty quick because Kentucky's coming to town this weekend. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thanks so much, Dan. 334-321-1390. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got a lot going on here uh, in, in the world of college basketball, especially in the SEC, and we got a minute or so before we take a break and get to uh, – we'll talk some football things coming up in the back half of this second hour. But, look, the SEC, while it may not be what it's been in the past – and, look, it's early. We're what? Tonight will be two games into the SEC – play for all these teams and while early on it may not lead to be as deep as it has been in the past there are some sleeper teams in here that we've been talking about Texas A&M Mississippi State um, I mean Alabama's always a threat whether you think they're good or not they're always a threat right and depending on what South Carolina can do, if they could figure out their offense and LSU and, and heck even Georgia Florida Arkansas I mean this conference seems to be a little bit deeper than what people are realizing. And depending on what bracketology you look at, I mean, the SEC is getting anywhere from seven to ten teams in the tournament as of right now. Yeah, early in uh, SEC rankings, you just want to go ahead and stack up wins. It's like putting money in the bank. That way you assure yourself if you stay in the top half of the league that pretty much no matter what happens in the SEC tournament that you're going to make the NCAA tournament. That should be the goal every year, right? Once you get into the tournament, anything can happen. Get in the tournament, get to the Sweet 16, and if you're a team that's good enough to get to the Sweet 16, 90% of the time you're a team that's good enough to get to the Final Four, and if you get in the Final Four, you can win it all. Updated net rankings are out, Jacob. Top 10 here, Houston, after they lost, still number one. That's weird. Arizona, Purdue at three. 
BYU, Tennessee at five, Alabama at six, Auburn at seven, number eight, UConn, number nine, Illinois, number 10, North Carolina. These are no Jack Hudden ratings, I'll tell you that. Alabama at six and no Kentucky in the top 10? Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, good thing about the net is it is, I mean, it's, it's a lot of those stats and everything, but here's the thing. It's what, January 10th? We got a long way to go. Long way to go in conference play. A lot of those teams in action tonight, including North Carolina on the road at NC State. So lots of great basketball to watch on a Wednesday night. But when we come back, we got some huge football news to talk about going on in the SEC, how it all impacts Auburn. We'll talk about that on the other side. With Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. Hope you're doing well. He's Uncle T-Bot. I'm Jacob Goins with you in the studio talking all things sports. We've talked a lot of basketball today. Want to kind of switch gears here and talk some football on ESPN 1067. Some news around the SEC and college football. Want to talk about those and, of course, always relate it back to your Auburn Tigers. We want to get your thoughts on anything we're talking about or anything else that you would like to talk about. 334 321 1390. And the news of the day in the SEC is something that happened just a little bit before we came on the air. I believe Doug may have hit on it right before he was going off. It is Brian Kelly at LSU has found his new defensive line coach. It is Bo Davis from Texas, who was on Nick Saban's staff at Alabama for a long time, former LSU player. And he has now been hired as a defensive line coach at LSU. This cannot be understated, Uncle T, about how big of a hire this is. Bo Davis is legit. And we know how bad that LSU defense was this past year. I mean, if that defense was anything, and if it was half as good as it, as it, half better as it was, I mean, they would have been contending for a college football playoff spot with Heisman Trophy winner Jaden Daniels. So Bo Davis, huge hire for LSU and Brian Kelly. Yeah, how bad LSU's defense was. How bad was Texas uh, physically, defensively, before Bo Davis got there with Steve Sarkeesian and started recruiting a higher caliber defensive lineman and coaching them up? That defensive line terrorized Alabama in the second game of the season up there in Tuscaloosa. Bo Davis, speaking of Alabama, a former coach there and was a highly, highly thought of assistant coach at Alabama as an excellent recruiter and developer of the defensive lineman that he coached, gotten a little NCAA uh, crosshairs at Alabama and was had and had to be let go. He was out of coaching for a hot minute, ended up at Texas and re- really rebuilt that defensive line and made them much, much, much more physical, looking to do the th- uh, same thing at LSU. Boy, they struggled defensively this year. Yeah, they did. And, you know, there were some, 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 I don't know if you want to call them rumors, but people talking kind of like we've been hearing today about the possibility of Nick Saban being done, right? Just hearing some smoke that may or may not have fire going after it and behind it and underneath it, if you will, of Brian Kelly possibly entertaining the NFL, entertaining a Michigan job if it opens up, like all these different things. And here's what I said. I said this to you before we came on the air. 
this is not a hire by a head coach in Brian Kelly. This is not a hire that you make if you're planning on leaving anytime soon. And if you haven't noticed what LSU's doing in recruiting, go take a look. If you don't notice what they're doing in the transfer portal, go take a look. They're quietly dominating right now. And talk about a revival of a program, not that they were down for very long after Joe Burrow and Ed Ed Ogeron and that entire NFL roster left. But Brian Kelly's trying to bring LSU back and keep them at the top. And for us here in Auburn, that's a scary sight. That's a scary fact. Good thing is, in that aspect, Auburn doesn't play them every year anymore. That is no longer a thing. Auburn doesn't have them as a permanent opponent each and every year having to play them in the gauntlet of a schedule in the SEC West. And I know there's a lot of new generation, younger generation Auburn fans that are upset about it because I'm one of them in my lifetime. LSU has been a really good rivalry in my Mm -hmm. life, and it's been a really good game. Maybe not so much with some of the older generation, older school fans of Auburn, but LSU's building something down there in Baton Rouge, and people need to take notice of what's going on. According to uh, Yahoo Sports, in regards to recruiting, Tyler Netanyahu, January 7th, 2024, headline Jacob, LSU takes over number one spot in On Three's 2025 recruiting rankings after Bryce Underwood commitment. Bryce Underwood, the number one quarterback for next year in the nation, according to On Three, a five-star quarterback from Belleville, Michigan, reaching up north to get him. In this article, it goes on to say that LSU has the top quarterback, according to On Three, the top running back, the number one running back, Harlem Berry, and number one receiver, DeCorian Moore, in the 2025 class. Bo Davis will do nothing but enhance that commitment, their commitments, and that and their recruiting class for next year in 2025. And the reason I bring this up on the show today, the reason I bring this up is I want us to have more of a of an outlook as we flip the calendar into 2024. Right, we're about ten days in now, and as we are into the off season for football. I want to ask you, and I want to ask our listeners as well, I would love for them to get involved here, what's the outlook on the SEC in 2024? Because there are some really, really good coaches in this league. You've got the old guys, the the, the seasoned vets, if you will, and Nick Saban and, and even Kirby Smart, right? You've got... Brian Kelly, one of the biggest names in college football. People, I mean, most people would put him in their top 10, some in their top five in college football right now. You've also got new faces and new places with Mike Elko at Texas A&M. You're still dealing with Hugh Freeze here in Auburn. Like, there are some really good coaches in this SEC, and there are even better players in this conference. And moving into a new era of SEC football with Texas and Oklahoma, because that's just what we do here, is bring in another playoff team to this conference and another potential playoff team in the Oklahoma Sooners. Man, what what can we say about the state of this conference going into 2024? I mean, there's no doubt it's the best in the country. It's brutal. I mean, bottom line, the SEC and the Big Ten are just absolutely brutal with the amount of teams in the league and the amount of premier teams in the league and the amount of good teams that back them up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about a league now that has Texas and Oklahoma added to it on top of LSU, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn. 
Missouri's an upstart. Ole Miss. Ole Miss is on fire. Don't you sleep on Ole Miss. Hey, don't sleep on Texas A&M moving forward with Mike Elko. He's a legit coach, and you know that they're going to go after as much talent as they possibly can. Good thing that the uh, good thing that the playoff system has expanded. I forgot about this real quick, Jacob. Bo Davis left Alabama with a two-year show cause. <clears throat> Quote from the AP, he acted unethically while he was there providing false or misleading information about the impermissible contact that the uh, NCAA accused him of. That's the standard? Uh, acting unethically? At Alabama? Give me a break. That would never happen. In Got a two-year show call. So he was out of coaching for two years. I think he was driving a truck and took like a $50,000 a year job while he was out of coaching, and now he's going to be paid, some reports say, close to $2 million to coach That's defensive heard, line. Yeah. This guy must really know what he's doing. Defensive line coach making near $2 million? That's insane. And again, that's not a hire that you make if you're not planning on hanging around. And I'm talking about Brian Kelly at LSU. And so, yeah, you've got Georgia, who's still at the top. What happens if Missouri becomes a thing? They're an 11-win program after this year. I, I got to see happens? more of that from them before oh, I'm for sure, Oh, for sure. But... Just looking at, again... You wouldn't want to play him in a 12-game playoff this year, I Absolutely can not. Absolutely not. Plus, you still have Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU, the wild cards of A&M and Auburn. You could say Missouri's a wild card. How about the wild card of Tennessee going into 2024? And then the, another team at the top, we mentioned it already, Texas, and the wild card of Oklahoma. So, it's going to be insane. So, for an Auburn perspective... It's time to get your ish together, right? It's time Agreed. to get it together because it's not getting any easier in this conference. Now, your schedule gets a little bit easier in 2024. I'd say quite a bit easier compared to what you've done in the past. But the conference itself does not get easier. And it's interesting because we talked to Jordan Hill back in the first hour from Dogs 24-7. And he brought up something that we've had a conversation about on this show before with the SEC championship game, and with the expansion of the playoff, I think this is eventually going to happen. The SEC championship, conference championship games are going to become worthless, in my opinion. Oh, no question about it. in my opinion. Maybe for some pride, but they're not going to mean anything if you win or lose. Because why would you – there's going to be situations where – why would you go in there and play if you're already going to make the playoff? Or why would you even want to go play if you're going to make the playoff, win or lose? Then it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter at that point. So why would I put my best players in there and threaten to get hurt and then we're done for, a.k.a. Florida State? Yeah, I'd rather see them just do away with the conference championship games, expand the playoffs even further to perhaps 16 even maybe even a little bit more, and start that week with the playoffs instead of having to have a conference championship game, which means nothing. You know, Alabama won the SEC championship this year, and good for them, and I would rather win the SEC championship and not, but I know a lot of Alabama fans who don't even care about it because mm -hmm. they went on and didn't do anything in the college football playoff. Do away with these conference championship games and start the playoffs a week earlier with an even more expanded playoff system you said something about Auburn's schedule next year they'll open up on August 31st with Alabama A&M then host Cal 
New Mexico? No, not New Mexico State. Speaking of that, why don't we just go ahead and hire Jerry Kill to be our offense coordinator from New Mexico State? We saw what he can do in Jordan-Hare Stadium calling plays. Ouch. Arkansas and then Oklahoma. Yeah, got (laughs) them. And then Oklahoma. Those first five games are very manageable for Auburn. Five home games in a row is brutal. It is. But you know what? I'll take it next season. Real possibility, high probability that Auburn will be 4-0 hosting Oklahoma on September 28th. Don't know what happens. That's a very manageable schedule from there. You know, you get the rest of the SEC and we can talk about that a little later. Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. That's what this whole conversation's about. It's just kind of the with all the different news and and you've got Auburn looking for two new coordinators and you've got coaches moving left and right and you got programs bringing in new players through the transfer portal and 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 I think I talked about this yesterday when you weren't with me about Quinshot Judkins, the Ole Miss running back who conveniently announced his decision to go to the Ohio State Buckeyes as the confetti was falling in Houston with the maize and blue. It's crazy where we are in college football, but the SEC has remained elite. The SEC has remained dominant. And I saw a post. I want to to kind of share these things with you. Let me pull it up on my phone here. I saw this earlier today, and I saved it because I wanted to talk about it today. And it's talking about entering a new era of college football, how the last 10 years have been cemented as its own generation of the sport. Right? Here's what happened. You had the four-team college football playoff. That's coming to an end. The SEC, television-wise, being on CBS after all these years is coming to an end. That's moving to ESPN for television. The Pac-12 conference has completely dismantled itself because you just have you don't even have normal college football conferences anymore. Well, and that's hard to believe as an old school college football fan. Oregon, USC, Washington, UCLA, all moving to the Big Ten. Arizona, Colorado, Utah, and Arizona State to the to the Big 12. So Colorado moving back to the Big 12. Of course, Texas, Oklahoma to the SEC. And in case you forgot this one, SMU, Cal, and Stanford playing in the ACC next year. That's not sustainable. It's ridiculous. And in college sports, have just changed so much in in the last couple of years. And who knows what it's going to look like in the next five to ten after that? Yeah, the last ten years have been crazy since the advent of the uh, expansion of the Final Four in the college football playoffs. What's it mean for us locally? Auburn didn't adapt very well at all to the last ten years. Here's some stats for you, Auburn fans. Let's hope the next ten years are better. Five head coaches, two of which were interns, 73 and 55 overall at a 57% winning tick, 40 and 42 in the SEC below 500, 2 and 8 against Alabama, 1 and 10 against UGA, 0 and 1 in the SEC with no SEC championships, and 2 and 7 in bowl games. The last 10 years have been awful for Auburn let's hope they adjust better to the next 10 let's take our final break here on the Wednesday edition of on the line Shane you'll be up when we come back you'll be our final caller of the show and uh, we'll get his thoughts and we'll wrap it up on the other side here on ESPN 106.7 you are on the line on ESPN 106.7 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 
Winding down here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Let's get to the phone lines one more time before we get out of here. Shane, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, guys. Um, I was just, just going to comment a little bit. You know, the last 10 years have been, have been rough, and for Auburn specifically, um, but for college football in general, I just – I know, I know. You know, there's reason to be excited about things that are new, and, and, and but traditional college football is gone. And oh it, yeah, it's, it's sad, man. Because I, I grew up, you know, the balls meant something. You know, mm-hmm. uh, going, going, uh, you know, winning eight, nine games. It was you had a good season. You know, now you have to go undefeated, or or or, or you know, it's it's so much pressure on 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 being the absolute best. Um, and there's only one. There's only one that's going to win it. Yeah. And, and it, it, it just takes just takes the fun out of what is college sports, you know. Um, and I'm glad and I'm hopeful that the other sports aren't going to be aren't going to follow suit. But you know, football's the money maker, so uh, you know that's that's what's important. And that's that is all that's important in college football right now. And just sad to see how it's how it turned out. But uh, turning that page. Um, Next year for Auburn, um, since we're since we're not getting a quarterback in the in the portal, correct? We're not doing that. We as, don't know I mean, that as of right now, no. But they always could after the spring window. Would there any? Would there be anybody worth worthwhile? Or, you know, I, I know it's it's tough to throw a freshman out there. You know, let's say Peyton Thorne sucks. You know, again, we, we we can't do that. We can't waste what we got. Those those guys. Are, are too good to, to stick stick around for mediocre quarterback play. I'm with and you. They're on not that. going to. So so would would we just throw Walker White out there like we did Bo Nix? You know you know um, freshman. Only been one other freshman, Bo. And um, so would we? Would that would that be a possibility? Knowing how, I mean, he's excited to come here. I, I, oh, I haven't yeah. seen a quarterback that's been this excited to, to to you know. I mean, he's 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 with it. So uh, or. Is there anybody in your mind that might come along in spring that would be worthwhile to to, to add to this quarterback class? You know, I'll hang up and listen, guys. War Eagle, love Thank, the show. Thanks so much, Shane. Always great to hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Got about three minutes or so, Uncle T Bone. Go ahead. I just don't think, unless there's some type of catastrophe, that Auburn takes a quarterback in the portal. Unless this person has three years and their lights out, uh, I think if it looks like a spring, a Peyton Thorn situation. If you have a guy with the numbers, like because Peyton Thorn was a great quarterback, I, just, in the I just can't see us bringing somebody in this summer and trying to acclimate them into a system like we did with Peyton Thorn, and then expect them to take over and just ball out. You're gonna if you're gonna get a quarterback, they need to be in here by the spring. He's talking about how college football used to be, real quick, Jacob. And I count, I've said this before. I counted it up uh, 40 years ago in 1983. There were 16 bowl games. Mm. And that, it meant something to be in a bowl game. Like Shane said, yeah. And, you know, now they're just a dime a dozen. Uh, that's really sad. I, I almost wish sometimes that they'd have just never even gone away from the old bowl system. Just had multiple rankings. People claim what they want. The, the computer like, system? No, even pre-computer oh, system. Okay. I'm talking about where, yeah, you, yeah, where yeah. If you won the SEC, you went to the Sugar Bowl, that's it. Yeah. And you may or may not get your shot at playing for a national title. It yeah. made things very, very interesting. I mean, look, it can't, it can't be worse than what it is now, right? I mean, 
It, it, look where we've come in 40 years from an old bowl system with 16 bowls to players probably making a couple million dollars a year if they're one of the top players in college football. It's crazy. I'll shout out our good friend Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network who joins us on Thursdays at 2.30, which he will tomorrow as well. He has talked about multiple times on this program how he looks at a college football season because Shane's spot on. It is in the world we live in, it is it is championship or bust now in college football for all programs, and that's sad. And Brad Law has come on here and talked multiple times about Auburn where he doesn't look at it that way. Brad doesn't. And he has encouraged Auburn fans to not look at the seasons that way as well, where eight and nine wins is a good year. You celebrated that in years past. You celebrated that when I was growing up, and that wasn't very long ago. And I think that's exactly right. And I think we're losing, I don't think, I know, we're losing that in today's college football. And that is because you've seen it at the higher levels in professional sports where it is championship or bust because of the money that was on the line in those sports, right? Because of the money that was being made and spent on those sports. And so you understood why it was the way it is. And that used to not be the case in college athletics, but guess what? That money is now here. That money is now there. That money is now being invested, and people care more because it's their money on the line, Uncle T-Bone. That's why they're all fired up. That's why it's championship or bust now because of all the money that's being invested, and that's put on the line. I'm just going to blame it on social media. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the ruination of everything. I know – Send me home, Boomer. <laughs> but I'm sorry. When you got too many armchair quarterbacks out there thinking they know what's what and got access to saying whatever. If Auburn wins eight games next year, folks, you better get on social media and celebrate. This I is like a it. long rebuild. I like Uncle it. T-Bone out. Uncle T-Bone out. He'll be back on Friday. I'll be back tomorrow with Brad Law at 2.30 from the Auburn Sports Network and Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC. That's tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.